This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're still in Genesis chapter 29. We're dealing with Jacob, and he is going to find his bride, and he has just seen Rachel. Rachel is coming up, and uh, she's bringing the flock up with her. She is showing up early, and uh, even though it's early, it's just the right time as far as God's concerned and as far as God's concerned with his plan for these two to be wed and his plan ultimately to create his own nation from Jacob, who is going to have the name Israel soon, and his name is going to be changed because he is, over over this time period, he is going to be changed as a person. He's going to be changed because of the circumstances. He's going to grow up. He's going to figure out how he's to live and who he's to be, and those are all good things to happen in life. Struggles and difficulties oftentimes mature. They oftentimes make us bigger and stronger and more than we ever could have imagined we would have been. Oftentimes we want to take on roles that require maturity and strength and faith, but we don't want to actually do what is required to become the type person who has the that role. We don't want to go through the struggles and the growth and the changing that is required to make us into the person God wants us to be. And I'll, let me just say this for you this morning. You need to, you got to, you got to go through the struggles and the difficulties and the situations of life in order that you might be fully mature. You, you've got to, and you've got to marry those situations up with what God's doing. You've got to read his word and learn from what he does and how he moves, learn his character, and then align that character with the faith that you have in him. And so then all of a sudden your character and your nature set up and aligned with who God is. And that's important. And so that's what's happening with Jacob. Now it's happening with him and his his bride-to-be, who is Rachel. It says in verse 10, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, he says, it says, and the sheep Laban, his mother's brother, and the, and Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth. It says he goes over and he begins to water the sheep. He begins to help Rachel do her job. It's the inverse of the helpmate, but it's not the inverse of the helpmate. When two people come together in marriage, God's working his will and his way out in that marriage. He's working out what he's doing in that marriage, and those two are together to help each other. They're together to make the other more than they could ever be by themselves, or even more than the two could be separately. And if you understand that, once you understand that, and come to the realization that God's in the business of, he's in the business of increasing us as we come together, as we live in right relationships, you realize that when God brings two two together for a marriage, what he's doing is he's ultimately, and he is, 
He is completely, he's bringing us together for the purpose of making us more than we could ever be on our own, more than we could ever be alone. But the way we do that is that we give everything to the other. We sell out all that we have so that we might so that we might make the other one more than they could ever be. And oftentimes people enter into marriage in in a way that they think that I'm going to give them as much as they give me and we'll just move along and hope everything works out. Well, I can say this with certitude. I can say this with no doubt in my mind. That won't work. You can't do that. That's not going to work in a marriage. It doesn't work in our relationship with God. And by the way, marriage is is a picture of our relationship with Christ. He's the He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. And that's not how it works for him. He gave all for us and then we take up our cross and give all for him. And so we see that Jacob is a is of the character, of the nature, to realize that I need to, if I'm going to marry this woman, and he it's love at first sight, there's no doubt of he sees her coming, and he realizes that God's right in the middle of it, and he goes over and he opens the well by himself, by, by, by his lonesome. He opens that well up, and when he gets through opening that up, he waters the sheep, and he takes care of Rachel's business, he's right in the middle of helping her be who she's supposed to be. And that really is what marriage is all about. That is, that's what marriage is made to be. It's made for us to make the other one greater than we are. And Jacob quite, quite obviously has the character and nature to do that and to do that well. And so he is, he is. And it says, and then he kissed Rachel. That's a little forward. I guess he, he got a kiss for his his work and his labor. And so I, I guess that's nothing wrong with that. But I really like it that this is a actual real relationship. It's a real meeting for the first time. It's a real love at first sight situation. And so he kisses her. And then he lifts up his voice and wept. I'm talking about he didn't just kiss her. He fell head over heels for her. He just fell for her. It's really a beautiful story, isn't it? It is one of those stories that you just, as you're reading it, you go, well, Jacob, moving fast, aren't you? But he's not because he realizes that the reason he's there is to find a mate. He is, he is in the middle of doing what he understands God's will is for him. He's gone there to find a mate. And God has sent one that's quite clearly at the right time, not the right time as the world would define it, but at the right time for him, he sent her out there and he sees her and he knows that she's in the household. She's of the place where God wants her to find him to find her. And so when he's, when he sees her, he goes for it. And there's an element of seizing God's will when you see it. That's important. I, of all the things I try to do as a pastor is I try to be cautious about whether or not something we're working on or something we're looking at is in the middle of God's will. And the way I'm cautious about it is I'm not cautious about it and making sure that it's going to work out before I do it. That's so many ways. The cautious of the world, those who are timid and don't want to step out and put themselves out, they have to have it exactly the way they want it before they move. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a maturity that comes with making sure that what I'm about to do is what God's will is. There's wisdom in that, and there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And so when we go, we need to go and talk to people, especially when we're making a big decision, and make sure that we've got a lot of people's advice, godly people who would give not what they want me to hear, 
not what they want and not what they think is best for me, but what they think is God's will for me. When I go and find that those people and, and I get that advice, then I need to jump on it when I realize that the Holy Spirit is confirming in not only what I see, not only what I hear from him and his word, but what his people are telling me. When I get that confirmation, then I need to move forward boldly with it. I need to do exactly what God has called me to do in the midst of that. And the only way for me to really do that and do that well is for me to be bold about it. Go after it. Chase after God's will quick and fast and hard once you realize that it's God's will. Now, make sure Bible teaches us to test the spirits and make sure. And there's so many, and this happens especially for our church where we're at. We're constantly getting new people in, new people from all over the country, all over the world. That's happening in an amazing way here on Lake Martin in in Dadeville, Alabama. It's an amazing thing that God's doing for us. And I have to test the spirits for every one of them. I've got to I've got to talk to them, deal with them, make sure before they tuck on a role in the church that they're someone who loves Jesus and chasing after God. If they love Jesus and they love God's word and they love God's plan and God's purpose for this world, then I don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to do what God wants them to do in the midst of that plan. Now, are they going to always do it? No, no, they're not. Are they always going to do it perfectly? And we're going to be so happy with what they're done. Not necessarily. But if they're chasing after God, are they going to do it the way God had planned it from the very beginning for it to be done? Yes, they are. And he's going to teach them and grow them and make them and mold them in the midst of all that. And so why not place them in those positions? But God tests the spirits. And once you get to the place where you know, okay, this is God's holy, pleasing, and perfect plan for me, holy, pleasing, perfect plan for my family, my wife and me, holy, pleasing, perfect plan for God's church or the people that I'm dealing with. Once I realize that, I need to run headlong after it. I need to be bold and chase after it. And, and I think that is, I think that is what Jacob is doing. He waters the sheep. He gets him a little peck, gets him a little kiss. I, you never can tell. It could have been a kiss on the cheek. It could have been, it could have been, it could have been a kiss. So I don't know. I just says the kissed or mainly Jacob kissed Rachel. And then he lifted up his voice and wept. Why? Because he knew he's in the middle of God's will. He lifting up his voice is a euphemism for praising God. He praised God and he wept. And so what he's doing there is he's weeping and he's excited because he's in the middle of God's will. Have you ever been excited to be in the middle of God's will? If you have, then you know you want to always be there. And he's finally, Jacob has not been doing this well. He has not. He's been doing him a lot and not God a lot. And he needs to do more of God and less of himself. He needs to engage more of what God's doing and less of what he's doing. And he is, he's in the middle of it right now. And he realizes I'm right in the middle of God's will and it's exciting for him. And I love to see people for the first time really find God's will and they get excited for it. It says, and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son. And I'm sure that Rachel had heard about Rebecca and heard the story of her going off and uh, being being married and God sending just the right person, Isaac, to come and marry her. And so I'm sure she's growing up, she's hearing those stories, and she's very hopeful that will be the case for her. And it is. It's going to be the case for her. And she says, uh, so she ran and told her father. Notice there's urgency here. There's urgency about God's will. When we find God's will, there needs to always be urgency about it. You need to be urgent when you know it's God's will. Like I said, we've already talked about how you go through the process of making sure it's God's will. Once you know for sure, once you have that confirmation in your heart, you need to be urgent 
about getting it done. You need to be urgent about making it happen. And you need to be urgent about finding where God is going to place you and what he's going to have you be doing. You need to be about doing it quickly. You need to be about your master's business fast. And so he said, then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and he embraced him and he kissed him. We got a lot of kissing going on. I'm sure this was on the cheek, but it may have been on the mouth. You never can. He, he kissed him and he brought him into his house. See, and Laban is confirming that this is the middle of God's will. Jacob's uncle is, is met him and he is excited to have him there. And have you ever been in a situation or in a place where you're new, you're the new person and you're the people who, who are trying to figure out what's going on and where is my place in this? And people just come to you and they just embrace you and grab hold of you. And a lot of times that can be very scary for some people. It can be very unnerving for some people. They just, they go, oh, give me some room. I got to have some room. But I do find that people who are really genuinely trying to find God's will, they embrace that embrace. They grab hold of people who are grabbing hold of them and they may be trying to test the spirits as we are, but they also are figuring out that this is God's plan and God's will. And when they figure it out, they grab hold of it and run with it also. And uh, we are so blessed to see that going on on almost a weekly basis in our congregation. And I hope that you'll find a place where that's going on. But now it's going to have to be a place where God is worshiped. He's primary. He's supreme. And where the word of God is held high and where people are pushing each other to find God's will and God's purpose for their lives, not just not playing the game. And we can sure enough play the Christian game, can't we? We can play the church game, and that can be so ugly. Don't do that. Don't do that. Find a place where God's really moving and where you can be moving in the midst of that and, and really where God's word is teaching you and expanding your, expanding your kingdom, expanding the area that God's placed you over, the kingdom, the part of his kingdom that you're working in. Look for those places. And Laban comes out and he embraces him. So we know that he's found God's will. He's brought into the house. He's received into the family. And so he told Laban all these things. And it says, and Laban said to him, surely you're bone of my, he says, you're, surely you're my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. He's going to stay for a lot longer than that. But he stays with him for a month in this situation. And he learns about them. That Notice there's, there is intimacy and relationship here. There's getting to know each other. And uh, I think that's real important. Oftentimes, especially when I run into someone who's new to our church, who has those leadership qualities, and oftentimes we say everybody's a leader, and that's not true. And in fact, it's not only not true, it's wrong to tell people that. And you go, you go, well, what are you talking about? We're supposed to tell everybody that they can be a leader. No, you're not, because I can tell you this. If you tell me that everybody should be a singer, and everybody should has some musical abilities, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, and I don't. And I want to sing. I sing it real loud, but I can't do it real well. And to tell me that I'm going to somehow turn into the king of pop or I'm going to be Elvis Presley or one day I'm going I'm to be as great as I, I'm not. That's not going to happen for me. And it's not my gifting and it's not my calling. And to try to uh, shove this square peg in, into that round hole is ridiculous. And it's not true. And likewise, there are a lot of people out there who do not want to be leaders. They're not leaders. They don't want to be in that position. And to put them in that position is wrong. It doesn't work. They And, they, and oftentimes, they break and they suffer in that position because you want to sell a lie. God gives every one of us gifts, and they're good and pleasing and perfect gifts. 
and they're wonderful gifts and they're gifts unique to us and unique to his purpose for us. But they're not all the same and we don't all have all those gifts and leadership is a spiritual gift. The ability to lead in the spiritual is a spiritual gift. I don't necessarily love that I have it. It's not my favorite gift that God has given me. Actually, teaching God's word is probably my favorite gift, the ability to teach. But my 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 natural leadership that God has given me by his spirit, the natural gifting that he gave me in my new birth, the part of who I am is for in the spiritual realm is leadership. And keenly know who are and who are not leaders. And the ones who are not leaders, I'm not going to try to force them to be a leader. I'm not going to try to force them to do something that they're not equipped to do. I want them to figure out what God has for them to do perfectly and completely where they are in God's will at the moment. And if you've got someone who comes in who is a leader, the first thing I always tell them and the first thing I always explain to them is you can't just take off and start leading outside the context of where God has you leading. And where God has you leading is with a group of people. And God exists in a relationship with those people. And that's why he sent you there to lead in a certain way. And so what does that mean, Chad? That means you need to build relationships with those people. You need to be building that relationship. And then God will slide you into the role of leadership that he has for you in that place. But it always starts with the relationship and ends with the service. That starts with God, right? It starts with the relationship, and then we begin to serve him and to seek out and find his will. We start with the relationship with our spouse, and then we begin to serve them and be their helpmate and love them through the midst of it. We start with the relationship with our children, and then we serve them and we love them and care for them and nurture them. But the relationship is what begins it. The relationship's what makes it happen. The relationship is the power behind it. And before we get into him marrying who he's going to marry and God's plan for that situation, and before they get into all that, he hangs out with his family for a month. He gets to know them. He gets to know who they are and what they're doing. And he figures them out. And when he's figuring them out, and when he's doing what he's supposed to do, and he's when he's in the place he's supposed to be in, when that happens, then he can begin to serve and to be and to work out God's plan, God's will. And that's what I tell whenever a leader comes in the church, I want to have more and more leaders in the church. The more leaders we have, the more people we're capable of leading and helping. And so when they come in, I always say to them, get to know the people. These are a unique people with a unique place in the world and a unique plan in the midst of God's will in this time and this space that God has given us. And you need to get to know them and get to have a love for the people And then you can lead because you won't know God's will for the people and you won't know where he wants you to lead them until you know them. And God knows us and that's what he does. And it's good to spend time getting to know someone before you ever just jump into what God's plan is for y'all's life. And that's good for dating also. You don't need to get married tomorrow just on first love. You may love them and y'all may supposed to spend your lives together. And sure, if you're going off to war next week, Maybe you do get married today. Maybe that is God's plan, unique plan right now. But if not, there's nothing wrong with spending a little time getting to know each other and realizing whether or not this is God's plan and allowing for the relationship to build and then allow for God's working his will out 
in the context of those relationships. We've gone a lot of places this morning, and uh, I hope that God has spoken to you. I know he will. He's got great plans for you. He loves you. Sent his son to die for you. And so he is he has definitely paid a great price to have a relationship with you. And that great price is going to be carried out in his great and wonderful and pleasing plan for you. May you find it. May he bless you and keep you in it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.